Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the W-2 Prison Break Show. Uh, Thanks for tuning in today. We have got a super awesome guest today. I'm really excited to speak with Adam Carroll. Before we dive in to the episode, I just want to remind you, as I pretty much do every week, that all of these episodes are on our YouTube channel. So if you have not been to our YouTube channel, please go check that out and subscribe. We put all of the episodes on the channel as well as some other content, again, all around helping you with your money, fears, mindset situation, and then your motivation, your why, so that you can really transform yourself and get to that W-2 prison break that you're dreaming of. Okay, so Adam Carroll is our guest today. He's just super awesome. He's a, he's a great guy. He's really, really intelligent. He's also super funny. He is an internationally recognized financial literacy expert. He's done two TED Talks, two-time TED Talk speaker, one of them surpassing 6 million views. So, so pay attention here on YouTube and TED.com. So go check that out for sure. He is the founder of The Shred Method, a strategy and software that helps people build radical equity and wealth in real estate in record time. You are going to definitely want to grab your notepad and take a bunch of notes. This is going to be an awesome episode. Adam, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Look forward to chat with you today. Brian, I'm so excited to be on your show. I think your topic is so important for people who are potentially stuck in that W-2 job. And I'm excited to talk to you about mindset and you know my history and all the things. So yeah, very excited. Yeah, you've got a great history. We'll dive into the story. I just want to let everyone know that what you're about to learn today is life-changing for you, your family, and generations to come. So listen to the entire episode Adam is a internationally recognized financial literacy expert and has two TED Talks. One of them's over 6 million views. So listen up, pay attention, take notes. Adam, before we get into that, again, as I had mentioned, let's go back to the Adam Carroll before the 6 million views on YouTube and tell us how you got here. What's the path? I think, so I love going back in time in the way back machine to look at my pre-entrepreneurial years. I was a communication student, Brian, from college. I had studied electronic media and broadcasting and thought I was going to be in front of the camera. As it turns out, I am. It's just a Zoom camera. It's a webcam these days. But when I got out of school, I was deeply in debt, as many people are. I had to take a job. I was selling radio ads. I sold direct marketing. I sold custom-made suits and shirts and sport coats to upper-level executives in their offices. And in all of these jobs that I had, I was a consultant for a while, helping small business owners get out of their business. But as an employee, 
And every single job that I had, I enjoyed it. I was learning a lot, but I still felt this pull that there was something else calling me, that I wasn't going to be working for a person forever. And I think it wasn't until it was right around like 2003 or four. So a good 18 years ago or so that I talked to a friend of mine who had been working for Dale Carnegie, doing sales training for a Dale Carnegie franchise. And he said, AC, I'm thinking about leaving this company and starting my own thing. What do you think? And I said, yeah, I think it's a great idea. He goes, do you have some ideas around programming and you know content and things we could do? And I said, oh, you want to pull me into this? Yeah, I do. I have a program in mind that I think we could write quickly and you know write a book and do a speaking program on. And he goes, let's do it. Screw it. Let's go try it. Let's test it out. And I kind of made, first of all, I made the leap, Brian, I made the leap into doing entrepreneurship. And I learned a lot of lessons along the way that I think if I knew then what I know now, I would have done differently. Mm -hmm. And this may be helpful to put into context for some of your listeners even. So I bounced out of entrepreneurship back into being an employee, a W-2 employee for a time, and then kept bouncing back to entrepreneurship until I finally got my legs under me and said, I know what I'm doing. I know I can make money doing this. And you know, I've spent the last at least 16 years making money for myself, either as a solopreneur or as an entrepreneur. You mentioned the bouncing back piece. Maybe dive a little bit deeper as to why you did that a few times. Yeah. Well, we had one planned pregnancy. We were very excited about having my daughter first. And then we had two, what I would call whoops babies. They weren't really whoops babies because you know we were eagerly and anxiously awaiting more children, but it was kind of like, we didn't think it was happening, you know, various health issues for my wife that were, we thought, oh, well, this, maybe this won't happen or maybe it will, we just don't know. And in the midst of me pursuing entrepreneurship, we would find out that she was pregnant and she'd be like, I'm not staying home taking care of two babies while you're traveling the country, speaking and doing all of this. And so I would eventually kind of find myself back into a job, if only to create some stability and security in the moment, and then still felt the pull. Like for me, and to put it into the arena for your listeners, I have always loved to present and speak. And, and I consider myself a teacher much like you do. And so my version of teaching is getting on stage and sharing stories and telling messages. And I kept getting pulled back to that. And the more I got pulled back to that, the more I realized that there was a great money to be made. B, it gave me a lifestyle that I really loved, you know, lots of freedom and flexibility, the ability to make a difference in people's lives, time with my family, time with my extended family and friends and the ability to travel. So I kept getting pulled back into that world. You know, it was at least two bounces back into W2 land before I finally said, I have this figured out. I'm not going back because no one can pay me what I'm worth on an hour by hour basis in a job. I love that. No one can pay me what I'm worth. Did it take you some time to figure out what your worth was? It did. It did. Not only did it take me some time to figure it out, but it took me some time to embrace that that number was accurate. And to put a little more shape on that, mm. you know, I was charging a certain amount to go out and speak. And when I started, I was fortunate enough, and you know the power of mentors and guides and you know people who shape you know what you do and how you do it. I was fortunate enough to have a coach mentor who helped me through speaking. And 
I went out with this gentleman on a number of occasions and he would say, Hey, I secured this deal for you. I'm going to take 25 or 35% of whatever you're going to make because I helped you get it, but here's your pay. And the pay ultimately would be like a thousand dollars. And at the time, you know, I was in my twenties and for him to say, you're going to make a thousand dollars for an hour long program. You know, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like get a thousand bucks in an hour. And obviously there's a lot that goes into speaking. You know, you have to perfect your speech and work on the content and do the research and create the slides. And, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, but it never felt like work to me. It was just like, I love doing this. So when I went out and he sold me for what he had sold me for, which sounds terrible when I say that out loud, but when he had procured my services for someone, a thousand bucks, he goes, Hey, you're a thousand dollar speaker. No question. He goes, I would put you at 1500 or 2000, you know, in the next two or three months, probably. And so then I started just testing the market and it was like, okay, well, will somebody pay me 15? Will somebody pay me 2000? Will somebody pay me 25? And I remember writing in a journal, oh my gosh, life will be amazing when I make $3,500 a gig or $5,000 a gig. And it is, I mean, even when you say it out loud, it's like, this is kind of stupid money. But I even have higher aspirations. You know, there are speakers out there making $25,000, $50,000 for a one hour gig. And they are true professionals. They are masters at their craft. And I am on that path. I'm working towards that. But it took a while before I realized hey, when I say 5,000, there is no stalter in my voice. You know, I'm not stuttering. I'm not hesitating. Like it's five grand for me to come out and do an hour for your company. And I know deep down that I'm going to bring $5,000 worth of value to the people that are in that room. 100%. That's a good, you're def, that is your worth for sure. And then some, I know what I've heard you speak. And speaking of that, I had mentioned in the beginning that you've given a couple of TED Talks. The yeah. one that really resonated with me was when you were speaking about how you talk to your children about yes. money, you know, a very taboo topic because a lot of us are, well, that's none of your, you know, none of your business. That's how my household was growing up. And yeah. I think it's important to discuss this because for the listeners, who are trying to leave their job, one of the biggest fears, I think probably the biggest fear for me was money. Am I going to make enough? What yeah. happens if I fail? Am I going to be totally. able to replace my income? And financial literacy is just huge. You need to learn ways, different ways to make money yes. and then also handle what you got now. You're an expert at that. So if you could expand on that, that would be super. Yeah. I point back to what my parents told me growing up. They would often say, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. They happen to be children right now, but we're raising them to be adults. And I took that, I really kind of expounded upon it with my kids because not only are we raising them to be adults in terms of their decision-making ability and their drive and their goal setting, but when it comes to money, here's the thing. The USDA says it will cost upwards of $285,000 to raise a child from zero to 18. And you know, if you have three kids, that's a million dollars, give or take, that you're going to spend raising your kids from zero to 18. And I see families all the time, and especially those who, who are wanting to get into the entrepreneurial space, leave a job and do something that they're really passionate about. But they'll say things like, I don't know how I'd afford college. Or I don't know how we're going to make ends meet with the kids' sporting events and camps and clubs and braces and all those things. And what I started to realize with my kids, especially, is that if the money is put in their hands to make the decision 
and it becomes quote unquote, their money, they are far more conservative with their money than they are with my money or your kids with your money. And so I started making it a point that if we're going to raise our kids to be adults, why not give them the opportunity to make decisions with money early and often? Because if they're making five and 10 and $50 mistakes, I'm okay with that. What I don't want them to do is leave the house at 18 and go get a credit card. And now they're making 500 and a thousand dollar mistakes or worse yet, 25, 30, $50,000 a year mistakes with student loans and have no conscious understanding of what that money means. And so with my kids, our kids, my wife and I, we have sort of imbued in them the ability to make really good decisions around money. And by the age of 14 or 15, they never ask for another dime from us. And it sounds crazy, but my kids at the teenage level had enough money and savings, probably more than most American families do. And it wasn't about us. It was about them making really good decisions and creating the right habits. But they have more than enough money and savings that they never feel like they need to ask mom and dad for money. So we would say, hey, you know, here's some money to go to the game or go with your friends or whatever. But my wife and I never feel compelled to do that. It's just like, hey, I want to be nice and give you 20 or 30 bucks. Whereas some families, the kids are like, dad, can I get 30 bucks to go out with my friends? And then the dads or moms feel like they're going to wield some power or hold some, you know, something over the kids' heads. I think it's ill-advised because then you have this power differential between kids and parents when it comes to money. Yeah, that's such a great point. I love it. And I've made that mistake. And after listening to you and working with you, I have a different conversation with my kid about money. And, you know, he puts the, you know, the money that we give him, he puts a portion of it in his investment jar. And, you know, we're working on that. So when he's only 10 years old. So, I mean, this is the type of stuff that, again, it's life changing and it's okay to talk about it. You mentioned something about people trying to leave their jobs, you know, again, they've created this lifestyle. They've got to pay for the kids braces and all this stuff, 285,000 to hear that is almost not believable. And if you have multiple kids, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. So how do we help those folks or how do you help those folks who are in that predicament? You know, again, you mentioned your children are in a better financial position than a lot of people. So how do you help? Yep. There's a couple different ways, and I know we're going to get to the shred method. So I'll tease that just a little bit that, you know, one of the things that I help people with is understanding the mindset of money and specifically that the two greatest expenses that we'll have in life are taxes and the interest expense on debt. We are raised in a society to believe that debt is normal, natural, and good. And we're going to take it on. We're going to take it on in the way of a mortgage and car loans and student loans and credit cards and all of the above. And because our entire society is built on debt, right? I mean, when we look at, when you hear about GDP, the gross domestic product and the growth of the economy, if you stripped out all of the debt, we would not have growth in the economy. So debt is by and large, one of the things that's factored in, in terms of making the economy grow larger and larger. And for families, we tend to just buy into that and go, well, I'll always have a mortgage. I'll always have a car payment and I'll always have credit cards and so on and so forth. I think that if you are going to you know, have a W-2 prison break, that one of the things you have to understand is we have to begin to minimize our expenses because the first year or two of business 
it's hard to make money. You're figuring it out. You're getting your feet under you. You're building the foundation and the platform, but it's far easier to do that when your expenses are lower. So if you're thinking about how am I going to do this and I need to get out of this job, one of the things that I want you to shift your mindset around is how can I make my monthly expenses less so that my guaranteed income, what I need to guarantee every month isn't as arduous. I don't have as big of a nut to crack. And then it's like, it's far easier. The pressure is off. And when the pressure is off, we make better decisions. So to put it into context, in my situation, my wife at one point, when I started the speaking business, she said, so how are you going to do this? Because there are months you have no revenue. You know, I would go maybe 60 days and have no speaking gigs. And I'm sure when anyone starts in real estate, Brian, like there's a period of time where you may go dry, right? Goose eggs. Yeah. Goose eggs. Yeah. Like what's happening this month? And so what I said to her was, how much do we need? And she was running all the household budget at that point. But I said, how much do you need or we need from my business in order to make sure that we are solvent every single month, pay our bills, have a little money left over for fun. How much is that? And she said, Adam, if you can put $3,000 in the account on this day, every month, I won't stay work. And I think you know, for people to understand how to do this well, you first must understand what is your leap number? What is that number you have to make? And if you're not making it right now, which I wasn't, one of the things to also understand is you can go to your bank and get a business line of credit. And that's exactly what I did. I went into a US bank branch and I said to one of the banking agents there, hey, if I wanted to get just a cash flow line of credit, how much could I get? And she gets on her computer and is typing away. And she said, right now, Adam, I could get you $42,000. I was baffled because I'm thinking, I've walked in and just made an ask and you're going to give me a $42,000 line of credit. And lines of credit, for those of you who may not be in the know, are like a two-way street. Money comes in, money goes out. Money comes in, money goes out. So you can use it as a line of credit, meaning if you need money, you borrow from it and then you pay it back when you have the money. And so I told my wife, hey, I guarantee you I'll put $3,000 minimum in the account every single month on this day. And on the months when I had a goose egg, I just borrowed three grand from the line and I paid myself three grand. And we had this steady, consistent income year over year over year. And what I realized was that, and this is kind of the misnomer, I think, Brian, is that entrepreneurs don't always think about paying themselves as an employee, but we kind of need to be in that mindset of, Hey, if I made 20 grand, I'm still only going to pay myself six because the next month I might get a goose egg. But I know that I have a 72 or $75,000 salary on what I have going on. And every quarter, maybe I true up and take distributions, but I've talked a lot about this. So I'm going to pause, but this was my strategy. Yeah, no. And I love what you said about you ask your wife, you're a good husband. How much do you need? <laughs> that's a good lesson. How much do you need, right? If I ask my wife that the number might be a little bit higher, but it's an important discussion to have. You need to have the support of your partner. And yes. clearly you had that. So I love what you said about the credit line. It was a mistake I made in business when I first started. I didn't have lines of credit. I was relying on you know, savings, which was a yeah. mistake. Something you helped me with, something my coach helped me with. That's why it's important to have people around you who can guide you. And yes. that credit line is much different than high interest credit card debt. Yes. And could you maybe expand a little bit on that and the importance of the credit line versus the credit 
card. Yes. So, you know, again, going back to how we're raised and what society tells us to do, if you watch TV critically and you watch the number of Capital One ads, or you look at internet marketing and see how many ads you're getting for credit-related companies, or right now the big one is Affirm. So if you want to buy something online, Affirm will allow you to buy it in monthly increments. And so we've been raised in the system where we think monthly payments is the way to buy things. Similar with a credit card. Well, I don't have the money right now. I'll just swipe it on my credit card and I'll pay it off over time. The challenge with that is the average credit card interest rate is probably hovering around 15%. It likely went up in the last you know, couple of months, given what the Fed has done with interest rates. And the expense on that is crippling for some people. They don't realize it because they'll look at, well, my minimum payment's only $75 or $250 or whatever it ends up being. But typically speaking, the minimum payment is barely scratching the surface of what you actually owe. So you continually pay interest, but you pay no principal down. And the difference of that with the credit line is, and particularly if we use it really effectively, and this is what I teach people using the shred method, a really handy line of credit actually functions not just as a borrowing tool, but you're actually putting your income into it as well month over month. And when you do, the average daily balance keeps going down every time you get paid. So what you're paying interest on is not how much you've borrowed. It's the average daily balance throughout the month. So for people who get started with us on the shred method, we start showing them, listen, if you're leveraging a HELOC, and you're really creating income efficiency with your money, with your income, I can show you how you can be out of debt, credit card debt, car loan debt, student loan debt, even your mortgage, somewhere within three to seven years, all of it. And we have dozens and dozens of case studies to share. And our goal is to help thousands of people pay off their mortgage in five years or less, and then create financial freedom in 10 years or less. And we're doing it on the regular. But it really is all about both mindset. I mean, we heard this, right? It's mindset, skill set, systems. Mm -hmm. The mindset of there is a different way, there's a better way. The skill set of understanding what tools and resources and financial products am I using? And the systems are, in our world, it would be the software that literally does the projections for you and tells you exactly how much to the penny to send to your car or your mortgage or your credit card on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. I think it's probably unfathomable for most people who, especially if they have student loan debt, you got a mortgage, you know, three, $400,000 house, maybe you got $150,000 in student loan debt, and then you're yes. likely racking up credit card debt to cover some of those expenses, some of your life expenses. To hear you say three to seven years, you can be out of debt is probably not believable. I believe it. I've seen what you do. I've used the shred method. It's completely achievable if you're disciplined. That was one of the things that you told me was to be disciplined. And so we talk about the HELOC. Now get into the tactical side of it. Like how do you use that to shred the debt? Yeah. So again, I kind of touched on it, but the HELOC is a simple interest vehicle. Hmm. So we are charged interest, not on the overall amount, but we're charged interest on the average daily balance throughout 30 days. So the balance will go up and down based on your income and your expenses. But when you average out what that balance is, the interest that you pay on it is relatively negligible. For most people, it's going to be dollars or tens of dollars a month. 
versus the hundreds or thousands of dollars that you're paying in interest on your mortgage, as an example, hundreds of dollars you're paying on your car. And a good rule of thumb or a good test for people is to look at your most recent mortgage statement. And if you look at your mortgage statement, it will show you what the current balance is, what your monthly mortgage payment was. And this is critical. How much is going to principal and how much is going to interest? And what we do by and large as consumers is we buy a home, we get our mortgage. The mortgage broker shows us the truth and lending disclosure, which when I was in the mortgage business, I always told people, hey, this is just the government's way of depressing you. Don't worry, you won't be in the house that long anyway. <laughs> so they sign it, they move on. And yet, if you look at it critically, what it's saying is the majority of the interest that you're paying on your mortgage happens in the first five to seven years. So for most people that are quote unquote buying their home, they're making a monthly mortgage payment, assuming that they're creating massive amounts of equity and principal pay down. When in reality, what they're doing is they're enriching their banker because so much of the money they're sending in is going to interest. And what we're doing through the shred method is we are short circuiting the amortization table or the length of time, put simply, that you have your mortgage. So instead of a 30-year fixed, every time we make a big lump sum payment, we lop off huge chunks of that mortgage. We go from 30 years to 25 years to 21 years to 16 years every time we make one of those payments. And so case in point, yesterday, I was on a call with a gentleman who's a new Shred client, and he has a $950,000 mortgage. And on an annual basis, he's sending, and it's got a low, low interest rate. I think he's at 3% or three and, three and a quarter. So some people would say, that's the cheapest money I'll ever get. Why would I ever pay that off? Right. And yet what it was, was it was his payment was kind of eating into his cash flow. And so I was saying, you know, if we can help you eradicate the mortgage or get it down even to two, three, four hundred thousand dollars get it down to just three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars seems crazy to even say. Yeah. But if we could do that, we could show him how we could free up all sorts of cash flow and then, you know, he'd be super solvent. And when I showed him the numbers, he was done with it in 2.6 years. And, you know, this was a dentist. He had pretty good income, had fairly good expenses. But he was doing certain things that were, you know, on the surface, a really good strategy. But if you start peeling back the onion, it's like, why are you doing that? That's not a good use of your cash flow. So let's reorient your cash flow and help you knock this down or knock it out. Again, he was blown away. And we we see this time and time again. I think it's important. I've said the same thing. I'm never going to be able to borrow money that cheaply again. And then they lowered rates below 3%. So I'm going to stop saying that. Yep. But it truly is a mindset shift. I think a lot of folks are just looking at the payment, right? My payment's yes. $3,000 a month, and that's what I'm buying, right? I never right. looked at the truth and lending statement. I think it's like in, you know page 752 of the 1,000 pages you got to sign when you that's go buy a right. house, yep. right? So, <laughs> But if you look at it, it's pretty frightening. I mean, you're essentially paying double for the house of over 30 years yes. with the compounding interest. And especially now that interest rates are going up, I mean, mm -hmm. if people are taking a really critical look at their truth and lending disclosure, it makes all the more reason that the shred method should be part of the strategy because on a $300,000 home today, you'll pay close to three or three fifty in interest over 30 years time. And people will say, well, I'm not going to be in it that long. Okay. Maybe you're in it five years. What if you could 
have it completely paid off in five years and save yourself the money. And when you do sell it, or maybe you keep it and you rent it out, you do Airbnb with it, you're making money on it because you can very easily turn around and leverage some of the equity in that property into the down payment on a, on a rental property or a new home or Airbnbs or what have you. Mm -hmm. It just creates so much more flexibility for people. And I think that's the key. We've been told maybe our house is an asset. Some people will say your house is a liability. And I truly believe, let's show you how you can make your house an asset. But to do that, you need to be leveraging a HELOC and then get a big enough HELOC. You can leverage that equity into other cash flow generating resources and assets. It's really the mindset shift from to go to cash flow, right? In yes. terms of like, I've got this great payment, I've got this great rate, I'm locked in and there's no reason to ever pay it off. I would assume that you're anti-refinance too, because you know, every, you know, there's some folks out there every two, three years, like, you know, they just refinance the loan to lower the payment. Any comments on that? You're resetting the clock. You know, so every time you do, and I was in the mortgage business for five years and I would have people call and say, Hey, rates are down. Can I refi? I heard I could save a hundred bucks a month. And we would do it because it's in a mortgage loan officer's best interest to rewrite loans because that's how they make money. But what I would tell them is, you know, your origination and your underwriting and all of that is going to cost $4,000, let's say. So let's say it's 1% of whatever the loan amount was. It was 400,000 that it cost them four grand. And they'd say, yeah, but I get to skip two payments, right? So they'd skip two payments and you know, we would roll all the cost into the loan, which means the loan amount's a little bit higher. And we reset the clock at 30 years and away they go with a hundred dollar lower payment and they feel really good about it. And I started, you know, just really critically looking at that saying, there's gotta be a better way. And the better way literally is using shred. Now, I will say, Brian, that when rates dipped down, when it got down to 3% or three and a quarter, I had a paid off home. I'd had a paid off home for nine or 10 months, maybe 11 months. And in the last eight years, I paid off my house twice and we're about to go after it for the third time. And here's what I mean by that. We had it paid off, rates go down to three and a quarter. And I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna take $200,000 out of the equity of my home. And I might as well do it in a 30-year fixed mortgage at 3% or three and a quarter, knowing that I'm going to turn around and shred it all over again in probably two years time, which makes my effective APR like 0.2% or 0.3%, ridiculously low. So every now and again, I will refinance, but I do it knowing that I'm going to shred it all over again and probably redeploy the money. And when I redeploy it, I'm redeploying it into a syndication or a real estate deal or lending to you know guys like you who are doing deals it's going to be to create more cash flow my hair is on fire right now with that explanation so this is why you need to get in touch with adam and get an overall understanding of what your situation is and learn this method i had honestly never heard of it i mean again i came from the old school of thought where you just get a 30-year loan and you know maybe you'll stay there three five seven years and refinance or move, right? I just never thought about the debt piece getting paid down versus, well, the house is just going to go up in value, you know? And then right, 08 right. happened and it didn't go up in value in the opposite yes. direction. So you're also protecting yourself against a situation where, you know, the market could shift on you. And that's, you know, we're looking at that right now. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. It even goes beyond that a little bit, Brian, in terms of once you have, and this might be a good point for your audience, but once you have equity in your property, the majority of people out there would probably say, yay, my house is paid off. I'm now I'm just going to sit back and, you know, maybe work a little bit less or think about vacations or what have you. And yet the question that we often pose to our clients is, okay, what would you like to do with the equity now? Because it's there, it has no internal rate of return sitting in your home. So we want to deploy it somewhere. And our goal is to help introduce people to opportunities where it's somewhat risk mitigated, right? Like there's going to be risk inherent in any investment, but there are investments out there that if you're writing a 50 or a hundred thousand dollar check, the risk is significantly less than what it is if you're just putting in the market. I had this crazy conversation with a neighbor the other day and she was saying, are you nervous about the stock market? And I said, I mean, yes, all of us should be a little nervous about what's going on and the fact that a recession could hit the market, but the economy and the market are two very different things. But yeah, yeah, it's a concern, but I'm not losing sleep over it. And she was like, oh my gosh, we just don't know how we're going to do this and what retirement looks like. And now Dale's going to have to work X number of years more and so on and so forth. And what I was struck by was you're putting money in investments where the risk is pretty great and it's external. You have no idea. I mean, a tweet from Elon Musk could send some of these stocks tumbling and we're putting our money in investments that it's pretty mitigated risk. It's internal risk. It's all been done in the purchase. And so long as the people that we've trusted our money with do what they say they're going to do and by their due diligence, I have no doubt they will. We're going to make money and we're going to make like somewhere between 10 and 15% on this money on the low end and probably 25 on the high end. And so this is the opportunity for people out there when they have equity that I think a lot of people just aren't aware of. Yeah, that's good math. And you definitely don't want to, because I, in my real estate business, I talk to a lot of sellers who own their home free and clear. I mean, it's somewhere around, maybe you know the exact number, it's almost 40% of all homes in the United yep. States are owned without debt. I can't tell you how many folks I talk to that they don't know what they're going to do with the money, you know, if they were to sell it, whether it's an inherited property or just something right. they have lived there their whole life and paid it off. They don't know what they're going to do with four or $500,000. So another reason to look at getting in touch with you and your team and look at some of these assets, use the equity properly, yes. because what happens when people get a large sum of money that they've never had before? They typically will sit on it because it makes them feel really secure to have it sitting in a savings account or a money market account. And you know, I've talked to a lot of people who will say, well, cash is king, Adam, cash is king. And I'm like, yeah, it was. It was when it was earning 12% a passbook savings account. But at a 9% inflation rate, it is a melting ice cube on your counter. That's what it is in your bank account. And so if, here's what I would say, if your listeners have money in savings, and I'm talking about a significant amount. You've got six to 12 months and it's just sitting there. You can't help but not look at the shred method because it'll change the way you're thinking about how that money is sitting there and how you might use it or not use it. We show people that traditional thinking generally is I'm going to save, save, save for all these things, the travel, the trips, college, cars, et cetera. And yet we can create a more efficient model for you using the shred method and creating a HELOC where the income's flowing through, and you'll still be able to do all the things, go on trips, pay for college, pay for braces, 
And you're going to do it without the fear or threat of, oh my God, what if I run out of money? Because so long as the discipline is there to make more than you spend or spend less than you make, this thing works so long as you have that discipline. Discipline is key. Okay. So we've mentioned Tread Method, you know, like 30 times here. Where can we go to learn more? There's an evergreen webinar and a calculator that will actually allow you to help calculate what your savings would be and how fast you could be out of debt. You can find that at theshredmethod.com. And we, on that page, there is a ton of information. So we have tried to make the site really information heavy, Brian. We offer consulting, coaching people through the process. And there is a piece of software that runs all the projections on the back end for folks. So all of those are available. You know, the software is a subscription, coaching is a one-time fee, but all of those are available on the site. And I highly recommend if someone's like, either I don't get it or I want to know more, set up a 20 minute call with our team and we'll plug in all your numbers with you and show you what's possible. And it will probably blow your face off in a good way. My face was blown off in a good way. I can share with everyone listening that I've gone through that process. Very informative, very helpful. Adam and the team are tremendous. So go to theshredmethod.com and watch the webinar. I, you know, the webinar too is much more helpful because it's visual, right? Like everything yep. that you're, yep. you're talking about it right now, but to see it, to see it is much more effective and much more impactful. I think, I think you'd agree. I would totally agree. I think we're very visual learners. And when we start creating metaphors, like this is a bucket, right? Mm -hmm. And the bucket that you're filling up, you're going to empty from time to time. The image that I use a lot, Brian, is have you ever taken your son to a water park? Too many times. Yes. Too many times. That's yes. his favorite thing. So you know about the big bucket that fills up with water and then dumps on the kids, you know? Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're just going to refill the bucket. We keep filling the bucket up and the bucket dumps. When it dumps out, we're going to dump it into an investment that makes passive income. And then the passive income will help fill the bucket up that much faster. And then we dump it again. And now we have twice the filling ability in that bucket. We just keep doing that over and over and over again. And when you do, you know, ideally within five to 10 years, you have created enough buckets of money that are constantly emptying and refilling, that work becomes optional. And you truly, not only have you prison broken yourself from a W-2 job, you've really broken yourself out of a system where you have to work doing anything. I truly believe our money ought to be working far harder than we are. And it takes a mindset shift to get to that point. But I think through your show and through the research your listeners are doing, they're gonna get there. That was awesome. I love the bucket analogy. And, you know, you were one of the folks who helped me with my W 2 prison break. And I'm telling you, this stuff works, folks. So get in touch with Adam and start turning your liability into an asset. I'll help you do it. Adam, before we wrap up, any final thoughts, anything else you want to share that we didn't get to ask you today? One of the things that I would add, and I know you'll probably agree with me on this, Brian, is that most people's money psychology is installed. It's code that was written and hard-coded in our brains when we were young. And there is some science out there that says that your money personality or your money psychology was built by the time you're nine years old. And if you think about how old your parents were when you were zero to nine, Mine were in their 20s, you know, mid to late 20s, early 30s. They didn't have any money at that age. 
And so the money programming that I got was faulty to begin with and nothing against them. Everyone goes through their own stuff in that, that age, but we have to reorient what our money psychology is to create wealth and build wealth and learn and study and grow and begin to question things like, do I need six to 12 months worth of living expenses sitting in a money market account making a quarter of a percent? Or do I need access to six months worth of expenses in case something goes awry? And I started shifting this whole idea of like, you know, people who are telling me I need this don't really know that I can go make $5,000 in an hour. And so I'm not as concerned about those things. And for those of you that are like, well, I can't make that in an hour. Well, what do you know you can do to make money and allow that to be a function of your money psychology, as opposed to what you're hearing Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey tell you, because they're teaching a certain subset of people who don't have a wealth psychology. They have a lack mentality or like lack psychology. And so when you start surrounding yourself with people who have a wealth psychology, you'll be introduced to a whole new level of opportunities and avenues and things to do, like a business line of credit as you're building a business or you know, using a HELOC to shred debt to then build wealth on the back end. So I would leave you with this thought, really evaluate what your wealth psychology is, your money psychology. And if you find yourself saying things like, well, I'll always have a car payment or I'll always have a house payment. That is a, a piece of your psychology that needs to be investigated just a little bit because it may have been true at one point to someone, but it may not necessarily be true for you now. Awesome. Just think differently. Be open to thinking differently and surround, your, surround yourself with people who think differently and you know your life can change. Adam, just super to have you on the show. I always learn stuff whenever I hear you talk and I've took a bunch of notes here. And I think the listeners out there really have a lot to think about. Get in touch with Adam and his team. Everyone, make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to you busting out.